Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that rave line. Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is seven and five again. Oh no! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rate of Trade Radio, episode five hundred and twenty-six, coming to you on Monday, December eighteenth. This was supposed to be our USC versus Louisville Holiday Bowl preview. It is no longer that because there's too much dang news to get to. Uh, too many transfers, transfers in, transfers out, uh, new coach, former coach, a lot of stuff to get to here on this episode. So as always, you can follow us on Twitter, Rain of Troy, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Rain of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, email address, Rain of Troy at fansite.com. Phone number, 818-643-7227. Suck at Whisper and Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, generally with my co-host here in the Rain of Troy studio in Los Angeles. Lisa Dertola. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, this was like I said in the open. This was supposed to be the uh, the holiday bowl preview, and um, yeah, we call we've called an audible. I I feel like we may have to call an audible at different points during the show too, because news is coming thick and fast. There's there's uh, just every hour on the hour, there's something new, some new commitment, some new transfer portal entrance, some new transfer commitment some new coach hired it just been mm-hmm. it's just been a steady flow of uh, of news over the over the past few days few weeks right. uh, literally just now dante moore just committed to to oregon so you know it's not just usc it's it's everywhere there uh there's a uh, just a lot a lot a lot going on in the transfer portal uh with recruiting and with bull prep so yeah yeah, there's things are things are happening super quickly. Like you said, you don't want to be asleep for any of this, which leads us to sleeper, sleeper daily fantasy. Have you heard about it? It's daily fantasy prop games. You can compete for a chance to win big cash prizes. The show is our sponsor, and the game is simple. For each contest, you're given a pool of props for upcoming games across different sports. You pick whether each prop will be over or under, given the total. You can choose up to eight different prompts for a chance at a bigger win. If you want to join in on the action, we've got you covered. Sign up for the promo code FANSIDED2 today and receive a deposit match of up to $100. Using the code FANSIDED2 when signing up not only gives you the great reward, but also directly supports this very podcast so make sure you use that code fansided2 or if you're watching us on youtube there's a qr code on the screen grab your iphone your galaxy whatever number your google pixel whatever you got and uh take a little shot of the the qr code and time to sleeper right now uh the offer of course are only available to customers who are 18 plus uh and physically present in valid states including california please remember to always game responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer that sleeper daily fantasy uh alicia one more thing before we get to the news uh we got a new review 
Oh, did we? We did. Five stars from Ahab Tavit. It says USC therapists. Fabulous pod that is therapeutic. Great chemistry and an in-depth knowledge about what's going on in the Trojan world and behind the scenes. Uh, I get to celebrate and commiserate virtually with this team. Thanks for all the joy you bring me. Keep up the great work. USC 91 and 95. It's a double major Trojan right there. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that review. That's double degree, I guess. It's exactly the kind of review I, I love to uh, to see, to hear, uh, to get uh, to get validated. I uh, mm-hmm. love it. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, the, you, I mean, more of those reviews, guys. Like we go through periods where people feel bad for us because someone gives us a bad review and then we say, oh, no, we got a bad review. And then we get like a few good reviews because everyone just feels bad for us for getting a bad review. And it's like, oh, yeah, we got good reviews. <laughs> and then we go like months without anything. And then randomly we get a five star review and I randomly we, we go months. I stop checking before every episode. And then you surprise me with a five star review that just makes my day. It's wonderful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know how they they have uh, love languages, you know, acts of service, quality time, receiving gifts, physical touch, words of affirmation. Yeah. My podcast love language is positive reviews. I believe that. Yeah. yeah. So so if you want to love me as a podcaster, you'll leave a positive review that, that really boosts the ego. Negative ones are fine, too, because, you know, I'm always taking feedback, but. You know, five stars helps, helps grow the show and all those things. Uh, leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave uh, a rating, I believe, on Spotify as well. So uh, that helps uh, absolutely. Uh, all right. There's a lot of stuff to get to. So uh, let's get to the news, shall we? Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. All right, where to start? Let's start with the DB's coach. The Trojans have a new DB's coach. Uh, It is not Dante Williams. Dante Williams is gone, and he is off to Georgia. Uh, And in, in his place, the Trojans have hired a, um, ironically, someone from the SEC originally, Doug Belk, as the new DB's coach. He was the... Uh, defensive coordinator at Houston 
from 2019 to 2023. He was the co-DC uh, until 2021, also coached safeties. Uh, Houston's defense back in 2021 was 18th in SP Plus with him as the defensive coordinator. Uh, but they were not necessarily good defensively the last two years. Uh, before that, a corners coach uh, at West Virginia under defensive coordinator Tony Gibson. He was originally in Alabama GA. Nick Saban was uh, asked about him back in 2022 and said this via ESPN, quote, I tried to hire Belk a couple times, haven't been able to hire him, but he did a great job when he was uh, at Alabama and he's having a great career. It doesn't surprise me at all. Both all uh, Alabama and Georgia offered Belk position coach jobs in 2021 per ESPN. Uh, he's considered a strong recruiter, connects with players, all that kind of stuff. That seems like a very good move for, for SC to get uh, Doug Belk. So this means that SC gets a defensive coordinator and puts them at the DB's coach position. SC gets a head coach and puts them at the linebackers position. Sorry, a national championship winning head coach, multinational championship winning head coach, and puts him at the defensive coordinator at the linebacker position. Uh, and they've got a defensive coordinator in Danton Lynn being the defensive coordinator. Uh, as uh, an anonymous person told us this week, uh, I'm not I'm I'm not used to SC having overqualified coaches, but here we are. Yeah, that, that anonymous person basically said, "Is that the game plan? Just go and get a bunch of over overqualified coaches to be the to it be looks the like it. coaches." Yeah, that's that's what it feels like. Um, we talked a lot about Matt Ents last week. Uh, got mm-hmm. to got to enjoy watching North Dakota State in the playoff on Saturday. Uh, yeah. They sadly lost in the in overtime. It was a Double heartbreaker, overtime. but they, they yeah. really fought hard. Um, and that was good to see from them. Um, and then USC turns around and makes this hire. And and quite frankly, we there had been a lot of talk about which position coaches should be retained and which should not. And I have been out front the whole way. They should clean house. Um, I think that there, I have suspicions about a couple of the coaches that are still remaining on staff who might still remain on staff. Uh, but I always felt that USC should clean clean house, including someone like Dante Williams, who is an incredible recruiter, but has not shown an ability to develop players to um, to get the most out of the the players that he uh, that that he commits to um, that he gets to commit to him. And so, you know, I wish him all the best at, at Georgia. I think that is actually a perfect landing spot for him in a very scary sense for the rest of college football. Because um, there are certain programs and staffs where your deficiencies as a developer can be kind of hidden and your ability as a recruiter can really, really shine. And I think Georgia might be one of them. So I think Dante Williams ends up in a really good place. And I think USC ends up with a, a great hire with Doug Belk, who yeah. Alabama fans and Georgia fans really, really wanted. Um, I did some digging on him and and the only the only bad thing you could say is that it just doesn't look like he was a very good defensive coordinator. <laughs> he got a lot out of Houston's um, talent in, in 2021. And then a bunch of guys left for the, for the NFL and things fell off very, very harshly. And Houston fans were very done with him as a defensive coordinator, but as a cornerbacks coach at West Virginia, he was extremely well-respected. They were distraught about losing him uh, when, uh, when he went over uh, to Houston in the first place. So they respected him as a, position coach and a recruiter. 
Um, Nick Saban obviously has given his uh, seal of approval on on Belk as as far as uh, coaching is concerned. So mm-hmm. feels like a, a huge hire for USC. Actually, this this is one to get really excited about because it's one where it feels like you might find that nice happy happy medium of you're not sacrificing the recruiting element. Um, you know, uh, Belk has very, very strong ties in the in the southeast and, and certainly in the Georgia area. There's a ton of talent coming out of those areas. Um, yeah. He is clearly able to connect with players, with recruits and 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 be that level of guy, maybe not to the you know God tier degree that Dante Williams seems to be able to. But he's certainly no slouch as a recruiter. And also he has a very strong reputation for um, the way he practices his philosophy defensively. And so, yeah, I, I'm I'm very very happy about this one. Yeah, it's a it's a big get for for USC, absolutely. And as our friend Kenny said, it looks like uh, SC won the race to Belk, which means they have won the Belk Bowl, <laughs> which is which is great. Yeah, I, uh, I love all of the conversation about how all of USC's coaches on defense right now are all four letter names. It's Belk, Lynn, Lynn, and Ants. Yeah. So if any additional hires are are made, which I, I hmm. have to point out, literally as we were coming on, Chris Trevino was tweeting Lincoln Riley talking to the media today, and uh, he said that uh, the defensive staff is not finalized. They are still evaluating. So right now they have DC in place of Alex Grinch. They have linebackers coach in place of Brian Odom. They have DB's coach in place of uh, Dante Williams. The holdovers are Sean Nua on defensive line mm-hmm. and Roy Manning on uh, outside linebackers. I believe that's it, right? Um, both of those guys have been very active in the recruiting leading up to signing day. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if either of them remained on the staff given Roy Manning's connections to Lincoln Riley, given Sean Nua's, I suppose he has less of the Grinch stink on him because he was brought in from outside. Yeah. Uh, But it is interesting that Riley admitted that they're still evaluating and that uh, additional, um, uh, additional guys could be brought in. And based on the way that they've made the three hires that they've made, uh, you have to feel good that if Lincoln Riley is going to replace Sean Nua, if he's going to replace Roy Manning, that they're going to be swinging for the fences to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, you know, I mean, I'm very interested to see how how that all plays out. But for right now, you know, as HR Pick and Stuff points out in the chat, like Sean Nua is out recruiting right now. Like, yeah, there is, Sean Nua and Roy Manning have both been out very active in recruiting. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Will the dominoes fall uh, after? Signing day after the new year. Yeah, we we will see indeed. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to Fighting on MC who gave us hey. a a super chat. Merry Christmas, Alicia and Michael. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you as well. Um, all right. Before we get into uh, a lot of the like you know recruiting talk, signing day, early signing day coming up on Wednesday. Let's talk about the transfer portal. It is getting absolutely nuts. Uh, the Trojans got a double commitment um, for my pair of beefs. Akili Arnold's I all Pac-12 honorable mention at safety, and then all Pac-12 first teamer at linebacker, Easton Mascarenas Arnold. 
uh, both from the Beavers. We know that the Beavers are essentially getting relegated in college football this year, uh, and it sucks. Um, and there's been sort of a mass exodus from from the Beavers because of that. Jonathan Smith, head coach, moves on to Michigan State. Uh, Ray uh, stays as the defensive coordinator, but the Trojans swoop in to get Keely Arnold and uh, Mascarenas Arnold. How big of a get is this? I, I think that you know you talk about guys going out and, and getting linebackers, right? Because the linebackers have been the issue for the Trojans. It was a point of emphasis last year as he went out and got Mason Cobb from Oklahoma state, but did it work? Not really. The linebackers were still a major flaw of the defense. And maybe that was just the major flaw of the Alex Grinch defense. Nonetheless, it looks like that could be a huge position of emphasis by getting these two dudes. Yeah, I love I love this. I love 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 this duo coming to USC. Um at positions that USC absolutely needs help and needs quality help and these guys are quality. Yeah. Uh Easton Mascarenas Arnold was a all Pac-12 first team linebacker. USC needs linebackers like they couldn't believe. Mm-hmm. Uh Akili Arnold was an all Pac-12 honorable mention, but I, I'd like to point out that uh and take it for what it's for what it's worth this pro football focus, but he was the third, the third-rated um, pro football focus uh, player for Oregon State with an 80 rating. Uh, 80 is a hell of a lot higher than anybody at USC got this year. Yeah. Uh, so he was uh, obviously doing something, something good with them. Um, both of them maybe have a, a higher than you'd like to see missed tackle percentage, but uh, at a certain point, you just see a lot of guys uh, missing tackles and in. in in the sense that like everybody is missing tackles all the time. You just sort of pay attention to it more when it's your team doing it. And um, that's not to say that USC didn't have a ridiculous number of missed tackles mm-hmm. uh, way, way, way more than anybody, anybody else uh, that needs to get to needs to get cut down on. But this is sort of proof. The two of them are proof that you can have guys missing a tackle or two occasionally, and they can still be really good players. The problem is that USC had guys who were missing tackles all the time and also we're not making plays in coverage or right. uh, in run defense or anything like that. And, and um, you can see from both of the, both of the, the stepbrothers that they get the job done defensively uh, playing for a, a coach in Trent Bray who just got promoted to be a head coach. And um, we can hope that you, that they come into USC and fit into what uh, Danton Lynn and the rest of the guys want to do defensively but we know they worked at Oregon State there's no reason they can't come and work at USC as well in positions of major need yeah absolutely um I'm fascinated to see how this this all comes to be especially at safety where we don't know what the word is with um Kalen Bullock if he's coming back next year uh we know the Trojans are in the mix for a transfer portal safety out of UCLA Ramsey um what is happening as if I don't know. It's going to be an interesting sort of thing. How, how that gets put together. A, obviously a good problem to have. Um, if it, if it does all come in t- together for the Trojans, because SC needs talent, talent, talent on, on, on defense. You want to just keep building upon that. Uh, but they are losing guys, uh, losing guys on defense, including a long list of dudes uh, headlined headline on defense by Damani Jackson, five-star corner uh, into the transfer portal, uh, Fabian Ross into the transfer portal, uh, and then Tackett Curtis, linebacker, freshman linebacker 
who had an up and down season for SC started the first game started a lot really for the Trojans all season, but not in the transfer portal, according to Chris Trevino of uscfootball.com, but Chris tweets, I have confirmed freshman linebacker Taka Curtis is not in the transfer portal as of right now, but the smoke around his departure first recorded by Farnon Rusty is real. So and, by and the time the, you read this, maybe he, I mean, or listen to this, well, maybe he will be. I mean, by the time you finish reading that out, there was a tweet from Matt Zenitz uh, minutes ago that said that uh, linebacker, the USC freshman linebacker Taka Curtis has entered the portal. Well, there you to go. Him and Chris Hummer. So I don't know. <laughs> Tackett tweeted something of a highlight package of himself from from USC. I, I I don't mean to be the the to pee in anyone's Cheerios here, but mm-hmm. he used the 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 the, <laughs> yeah. the targeting hit from the San Jose State game in the highlight package. I I get it. I. I, I you you want to have a big hit in there, but like maybe not that one, maybe not. Yeah, that the one. the NFL is already getting ready to uh, suspend him <laughs> for for that uh, kind of making those kinds of hits. Uh, if you guys follow the NFL, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I don't. I I I I took the tweet from Tackett to mean that like year one was in the books and and this was his highlight package and it just so happens yeah. that he's wearing a USC jersey while doing it. Right. Um. He was. Uh. You know, Brian Odom brought him in. Uh. And now Brian Odom is gone and Tackett uh, is. It would appear all the signs point towards him being uh, in the portal or going to be in the portal. And that is a that is a bummer, along with guys like Damani Jackson. That's along with guys like Malachi Nelson. Um, you don't want to see these guys enter the portal when they had so much potential. Right. But I think that they all though that trio is a really interesting trio of a of a good example of how you really in this day and age, you really have to sit back and let the portal sort itself out mm-hmm. and not panic especially when players who were not um, living up to their potential go into the portal after a new staff is brought in. Right. Um, yeah. Or, or new, uh, there's a new shakeup at their position group. Like for Malachi Nelson, USC is heavily in the mix for transfer quarterbacks. And um, we're seeing around the country, young quarterbacks are just, going into the portal to get their opportunities to start if they're, if they know that they're not going to have an opportunity out front to start. So Malachi Nelson leaving shouldn't surprise anybody uh, or cause panic. Let's get to the offense there because yeah, on, on offense, the, the transfer departures, I think are huge names. Malachi Nelson, the five-star quarterback out of LaSalle, uh, Mario Williams, who was supposed to be the guy at, at wide receiver this past season, him and Dorian Singer and, Neither one of them uh, had standout years for SC, but Mario Williams is the one who hits the the transfer portal. He came with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams from OU two years ago, of course. Uh, and then two offensive linemen, uh, Michael Tarquin, who started this year, uh, and then Andrew Millick, who's just sort of been a reserve lineman for like nine years, it feels like. He's been around forever. Yeah, and, and again, these are all... I think that when I look at the the guys who are in the portal, I will only start to panic or get worried when I can't find a good reason for why they're in the portal. 
uh, or, or, or when I, when I think that the decision that they're making feels like a giant mistake. Um, for guys like Andrew Malek, Fabian Ross, um, there's every chance they are being processed. Uh, there's every chance they are going to, they understand they're just going to have to go somewhere somewhere else to try to find um, a, 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 an ability to, to play. Um, for someone like Michael Tarquin, it, uh, it was pretty clear that his fit on the offensive line maybe wasn't a match made in heaven. Uh, they, he was part of, he was a big part of the shuffling that USC was doing on the offensive line, moving guys inside and out and sort of trying to figure out, I would have preferred him to stay because as we've talked about a lot, having continuity on your offensive line matters a lot and getting year two out of Tarquin would have been something I was very interested in seeing. Uh, but it's, you know, he's going to go make his way. I think I, right. I, of all of the departures to me, Tarquin's probably the biggest just because continuity on your offensive line, starting experience, starting yeah. experience, uh, all of that kind of stuff like that. That is something that is very, very difficult to replace. And now you're going to, if you're going to bring in another offensive lineman in the portal, you're starting from scratch on them and you might run into the same problems you did with Michael Tarquin. So like he's an actual one. That feels like uh, that's. I really wish USC could reverse that that decision. But like yeah. Mario Williams, it's like, you know, he he followed Caleb Williams to USC. Caleb Williams is now gone. Um, he was not a, a game changer, or difference maker uh, this past season. And uh, you know, depth is certainly a concern. But it feels like USC can probably find somebody to um, to fill that role um, in terms of, in terms of what Mario Williams was bringing to the table for this year. Uh, that feels replaceable. Um, like I said, Malachi Nelson, I'm just not going to stress freshmen who leave when they weren't going to start this year anyways, uh, in the coming year anyways. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then you look at guys like Damani Jackson and, and Tackett Curtis, who, like I was saying before, huge potential, the results on the field this past year were very poor. There's no way around it. Both of them were, I, I would argue, two of the worst regular starters for USC in a in a field of very, very poor play from the majority of USC's regular starters on defense. Yeah. And I would have loved for both of them to stick around to see what a new staff could have transformed them into. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but, you know they're not going to stick around to see that. And I don't think it's a surprise that USC has lost two defensive coaches uh, at the mate, the primary recruiter for Damani Jackson, Dante Williams, and the primary recruiter for Tackett Curtis, Brian Odom, and that both of those players are now intending to leave the program. That's, uh, that's just part of, of the question. So I guess the thing that for USC fans, I would say is before you start to panic over any of these departures, ask yourself, what is more important? keeping Damani Jackson or Tackett Curtis or getting rid of Dante Williams and, and Brian Odom. To me, I know for sure I, I will accept the ripple effect of losing players that I would have liked to see get a chance Yeah, at the cost of the very necessary changes USC had to make to the staff. So that's my long winded way of saying like, yeah, I'm not too bothered about any of these at this point because the portal's going to portal portal's going to portal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, Wide receiver is an interesting spot because it, I, I look at it two ways. On, on one hand, you 
that was a position where SC, I think, can absolutely um, needs a, an influx of talent somewhere. Needs a needs a spark. Uh, this past season, uh, we we know that Taj Washington is is gone. Brendan Rice is gone. Um, now Mario Williams is transferring. Um, Dorian Singer uh, still has eligibility. So assuming that he stays, you got Dorian Singer, Deuce Robinson, Zachariah Branch. Uh, my, uh, Michael Jackson the third is gone. So I guess you got what Kyron Hudson, Jacoby Lane, Makai Lemon, like, and those guys have been you know got to tie time at DB late in the season. So like, I don't know. Like it, it's an interesting spot. Like. You you obviously want to keep Mario Williams because you you saw the glimpses of what he could be two years ago, or I guess last year, right? Mm-hmm. But he wasn't that guy this past season. He just wasn't. And you have to imagine that with SC being able to bring in uh, freshmen this upcoming, I mean, uh, freshmen on uh, a new wave of freshmen in the in the twenty twenty four class uh, starting on Wednesday. Uh, that's going to be a way to sort of replenish the wide receivers plus any ability to go out and still get a transfer uh, as the transfer portal keeps going on. Quarterback's an interesting spot because I think Malachi Nelson at first, whenever you hear a five-star quarterback going into the transfer portal, it sounds concerning. Absolutely. But I further emphasize the the one area where you can you can stand and pledge undying loyalty uh to uh to Lincoln Riley is at quarterback um and i if if Lincoln Riley has a plan and we know that you know Will Howard is someone who's been projected to to ultimately commit to USC as the transfer from Kansas State uh he doesn't have much eligibility but you know, moving forward, SC still has, uh, you know, options later on down the line. Miller Moss is someone who says that he's going to be at USC no matter what. I would just trust the the entire process here. Um, the the comments that that Lincoln Riley put out about Malachi Nelson a few weeks ago weren't over overly encouraging. Um, talking about how he it was a struggle this past year in part due to injury. Uh, for Nelson and he didn't really have a year for him to be able to develop well. Um, I didn't take that as a, as a knock on, on Nelson as a, as a person, but more so like it was difficult, difficult with his health and whatnot. Right. So if, if a change is what's needed for him and you have Lincoln Riley, who is the, the quarterback whisperer in college football, uh, like a proven quarterback whisperer for years and years and years now, several quarterbacks over even if it sounds scary to lose a five-star quarterback this is what this is what the transfer portal era is right five-star quarterbacks come and go mm-hmm. all the time now from every program top to bottom no, yeah nobody's five-star quarterback is is safe you look at in fact the last couple of years you look at like, like the 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 recruiting rankings coming out of high school and look at where each quarterback was when they when they signed and where they are now like it's extremely rare to find any of those top quarterbacks in the same spot that they mm-hmm. that they signed that's just the the nature of of the beast and uh, you have to live within the system that you're 
that you're presented. Yeah. So the, the way I see it is that Riley's comments were very telling that Nelson wasn't going to be uh, heavily involved in the competition to start. Um, and that him sticking around to me would have just signaled that he was willing to wait and him leaving just tells me he's just not willing to wait, which is his prerogative. And that's something you also have to expect from, from players as well. You can't expect them all to wait. Right. Yeah. It's going to be interesting what happens going forward because in 2026, we know that uh, Juju Lewis is there quarterback. Right. Uh, but 2026 is a long time from now. That's yeah. two more seasons. Uh, a lot could change. Uh, absolutely. A lot can change. So uh, we'll see what the Trojans can do there uh let's talk about commitments sc got a uh quartet of commitments in the past week uh three-star defensive lineman gide abasire three-star out, outside linebacker lorenzo cowan three-star offensive lineman kololo taaga and four-star defensive lineman carlin jones um any thoughts there going into saturday uh, the big one is the newest one, Carlin Jones, four-star defensive lineman. I mean, I mean, just uh, GD Abasiri is is a a great name, great, by the way. It's a great, great name, GD Abasiri. It's so fun to say. I don't. I mm -hmm. hope I'm saying it right because the way I'm saying it is so fun to say it uh, to say it right. But um, he's he looks like a really good prospect. He looks like somebody who has a, a very good frame to work with but needs some time to develop. So mm -hmm. it's going to be a little bit more of a, of a process with him. But Carlin Jones has the body of a dude who's already playing college football. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and he's coming out, coming out of Texas. Uh, you gotta like the, the look of that. And this is the kind of defensive line that USC needs to stock the mm -hmm. line with. Um, and then, and then uh, same with uh, like Kalolo Taga, it feels like a, um, another offensive lineman with just the big frame to work with that you can develop into somebody who's an absolute monster. Got to give him time. This is the, this is why you have to keep stocking up the offensive line. But um, Chris Trevino pointed out that, um, uh, that Henson, Josh Henson has already brought in more offensive linemen in the last two recruiting cycles than the previous four under the previous regime regime. So uh, they are doing work to restock the cabinet that was extremely bare. Mm -hmm. And the the guys that they've brought in have all had very high potential, just need time to develop and, and need the chance to to develop. So uh, I like everybody that USC's brought in. They're all guys that um they're all guys that you can see the possibilities with, but you also yeah. you also have to to wait and you need to be able to develop these guys. So whether they're three stars or five stars, the problem that USC has had is that they're not developing any of develop, guys. develop, develop. Yeah. It's, it's one of those weird things because obviously stars matter. 1000% stars matter. Like that's your ability to, you know, go out and win a championship. I, I firmly believe that the blue star ratio, a uh, blue star, a uh, blue chip ratio is a thing, right? Like stars matter 100%. Uh, at the same time, I think what SC's biggest problem is not getting the most out of the talent they have, both in terms of developing their three-star talent and maximizing their four- and five-star talent. Um, we know that SC can get four- and five-star guys because they've had plenty of those dudes over the years, and while it not, might not be as many as you've hoped, 
the ones that they've gotten haven't necessarily done much. Like, like Jamani Jackson are a prime example, right? Like, um, I, I, you, you, you get Damani Jackson and you're hoping he's going to have an impact just like a Dory Jackson. And he, he hasn't. And just the number of guys that SC has gotten, particularly on defense, um, that just hasn't been that way. So, uh, first and foremost, I think you just need to develop more than anything. You just, you just develop the, the talent that you do have. You're going to be significantly better. Well, just think, just, just think, moving forward. Think right? about this. Think about this. Oregon State is not a recruiting juggernaut. No, they're not getting even four star guys right. But they're, they're not but their defense stars. is way better than their SC's. Defense is perfectly compatible to winning football games. Yeah, with three star talent, with two star talent right. in, in in a lot of cases. Like it's because they develop, because they have a system that they recruit to. Mm-hmm. That they bring guys up and learn their system. They coach them well. They yeah. apply well. They game plan well. They scheme well. All of those things. Yeah. Practice well. Like now, to win a national title, you need to marry the the five four stars with all of that development and stuff like that. But right. where USC is at right now, you have to build this thing back up. You got to learn to walk first. Yes. And and that it sounds damning but like that's just the position sc's in defensively mm-hmm. right like yeah it, it it unfortunately is um all right let's let's get to comments we've got in the chat questions that we got in the chat to now open up the mailbag you've got mail uh hr pick and stuff says alicia or michael can you recall another coach that was so good at recruiting and bad at coaching the name i come up with uh is willie taggart uh, I think this is in reference to Dante Williams, who elite, is an elite recruiter, brought in guys like Damani Jackson, but um, I think the coaching has left a lot to be desired. Uh, look at USC's lack of ability um, to to cover the last couple of years, right? Um, Damani Jackson's a prime example of that, right? Like the, the, the lack of development there. So the first thing that comes up to me um, comes up to mind for me uh, is uh, ah, my brain just went, went blank. The defensive coordinator at Oregon right now. Uh, Tosh Lupoy? Tosh Lupoy. Yeah, Tosh Lupoy. That's his reputation. His reputation yeah. is is, uh, is being extremely good at, at recruiting, at connecting, yeah. um, but being a questionable, uh, questionable coach. Uh, Kenny in the chat saying Mario Cristobal. Uh, Andy Anfield, Andy Anfield, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Hokey P brings up T Martin. I think, I think that T Martin was a great recruiter. He was a perfectly adequate wide receivers coach. He was yes. just a bad offensive coordinator. Like I think there's right. a difference between being a bad coordinator and and um, I think USC's receivers. Isn't he in under, the NFL as a receivers coach? I think he might be. Was he with the Ravens? Is he with the Ravens? He was I'm, with the Ravens. I'm, I'm looking it up. Either way, I think he was a perfectly fine receivers coach i didn't really have a lot of complaints about the development of usc's star receivers that they he's that the qb's coach for the ravens oh well there you go yeah <laughs> he's helping lamar jackson lamar, yeah. work towards an mvp season so he's doing an okay job there um but uh yeah i think tosh lupoy is definitely the the big example i would argue that clay helton fits that mold as well clay clay helton convinced a hell of a lot of parents and a hell of a lot of mm-hmm. kids to buy into him 
and to be extremely loyal to him. And uh, he was just never a, a particularly good coach. At, at I'm going to push back on that. You don't think Clay Helton inspired a lot of loyalty and, and like he, I, he did, but also the spirit of this question is in the extremes. That's true. He wasn't like a five-star recruiter. No, and I would argue that literally anybody who's wearing a USC polo can recruit <laughs> at a decent level and get five-star talent. That's fair. Like, any of them. Like, uh, it, it, Hackett got got elite talent, right? Like, Hackett went out and got Carson Palmer, even though Carson Palmer, I guess, did he commit to Robinson at the end? Either way, like, Hackett got got you know, elite guys who had talented players um, who he just couldn't get anything out of them. Ha um, yeah. Helton got those, got some of those guys, but like not, a, not enough of them. Actually, absolutely not enough of those guys That's fair. To, to, to call him an elite recruiter um, in the spirit of Dante Williams, who is an elite recruiter, Tosh Lupoy, an elite recruiter, T Martin, an elite recruiter, Cristobal, Mario Cristobal, an elite recruiter. Yeah. Um, Steve Sarkeesian, I, I don't know that I don't know that he fits in this sense because I don't know that a head coach kind of fits in in general for me. But I get it. Yeah. Also, he's in the playoff now. So I don't I don't know how that that completely translates there. Uh let's get to an email we got from John in Oakland. Uh Alicia and Michael, as we enter the postseason slash bowl season, the USC football heads to the Big Ten. I had a thought on the future of college football of the college football playoff uh it's so long so feel free to summarize this email uh the cfp faces an interesting future as it moves into deciding what to do after the current tv revenue agreement that expands to a 12-team playoff ends in after the 2025 season uh a new media slash tv deal for a 12-team playoff will need to be found and it's expected to go from 450 million dollars a year to two billion the current revenue split is the Power Five conferences get 71.5%, the Group of Five conferences 27, Notre Dame 1%, and other FBS independents uh, a half percent. Uh, 10 uh, FBS conferences and Notre Dame own the CFP, and the university presidency of voting block would seem to be the Power Five plus Notre Dame, which is six votes, versus the Group of Five, which is five votes. However, the Pac-12 merges with the Mountain West or is able to add six schools to remain a viable separate conference. The university president CEO control of the CFP would either be a 5-5 tie or an outright shift of the group of five as it becomes the group of six. If it's the latter, do you think the group of six tries to move to a more equal sharing of the CFP revenue for 2025? Let's say the Power Four conferences, 52%. Group of six conferences, 45%, Notre Dame, 2%, and other FBS independents, 1%. So, for example, the Big Ten would go from $64 million to $260 million a year, and the Mountain West goes from $24 million to $150 million a year. Would this make the FBS better across the 130-plus schools, or do you think this is when the Power Four breaks off to set up a new CFP without the group of six? Thoughts? Fight on, John in Oakland. Um, I <laughs> thank you for the email, John. I think this is a this is all really complex stuff that is hard to 
uh, hard to figure out because there's still a lot of things that are being juggled right now. I was reading up a little bit on yeah. the, the court case right now where USC is being sued. Uh, they're trying to claim that, that uh, USC athletes are employees and USC, the Pac-12 and NCAA are having to fight back about that. And there's legislation in uh, in, in Congress that is or in, in, in legislatures around the country that are trying to come to a point of of uh, revenue sharing with with players. Um, there's a lot of money stuff that is heavily going to weigh on how this all gets divided not just uh the 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 um the sort of deadline of of 2025 like nil uh revenue sharing with players all of these kind all of the realignment stuff the tv money in general all of these questions are all swirling together into a giant stew of who the heck knows what college football is going to look like in 2025 uh, beyond just the, the, the revenue share for the, the playoff. Um, I would, I'm certain that the group of six or whatever it becomes will be pushing for a greater revenue share. I think the more they push, the more likely we are to see the power five or whatever it becomes push back on that. I, I think it will be mm-hmm. very interesting to see what the first year of the expanded playoff looks like and how much leverage the group of six is able to generate with their potential performance in a, an expanded playoff, or if it will feed into the idea that the power four, whatever it becomes, shouldn't, you know, shouldn't even pay mind to, to those quote unquote, you know, lesser conferences because they're not actually going to be competitive in that field of 12. So I think there's a million things that still need to shift and come together and sort out before we can say anything about how much money anybody's going to be making in 2025 or beyond. Yeah. This it's, it's fascinating when when you look at it, because like, yeah, does the, does the PAC 12 dissolve? Does it just be merged with the mountain West? And then that essentially is the PAC 12 dissolving, right? Like, is it this or is it that? Like, so much of this sounds like gerrymandering in, in a bit a bit of a way, right? Like the see who gets the the the, the voting power of all these things. No matter what, I think that this is college football, which means that the solution that would make the most sense is not going to happen. This like if we just came up with a solution right now, um, that would just make the most logical sense for the game of football. It would not work probably legally. It wouldn't work because maybe the NCAA would step in or uh, some state legislation would step in somewhere or uh, some school would not agree or maybe it would be something where the players wouldn't end up not agreeing and then having the power to do something about that legal. I, I don't know. Whatever it is, the the perfect scenario for what makes sense for the football game itself is never going to coexist with what makes sense for all of the powers that be. And I think that's, what's frustrating about this sport and makes it forever flawed. It's a lot like soccer in the world, FIFA and how all the things that sort of make sense never happen because 
FIFA's the greedy bastard who just has to get in there and ruin everything. It's it's wild, but like we can say that college football would sort of be better with a with an actual center uh centralized power force that is able to control things, but like then do you end up with the FIFA of of college football that you know ruins things that way? I don't know. Like it's it's such a weird power. All this stuff is such a weird power struggle to the point where like, I have a hard time. Like I end up just feeling apathetic about so much of it. You know, like, is, I, is that I, lame? Like that's where I, I'm, I'm at a place where I, I, I don't know that apathy is the way that I would describe it personally. It's, an acceptance that I have no control yeah. over the things that are right. going on with college football. And so I'm not going to stress about them because it's going to become what it's going to become. And I'm either going to be along for the ride and it's going to work out or it's going to break the system and I'm going to find something else to get interested in. <laughs> like, but, and like that that, but that's not going to happen though, because, no, because well, this is, this is my argument. It's like, everyone's like, Oh no, NIL. Oh no. Transfer portal. It's like, yeah, I, NIL and transfer portal has changed the way that I consume college football. Uh, yeah. But there's still a million things about college football that I love that keep me there. And I get used to the other things and I just sort of don't let them, don't let them bother me. The, the playoff expanding, like, I think the 12 team playoff is going to be really damn fun. I'm super excited about it. I think it's ultimately for the best that players get paid, uh, get a part of the massive billion dollar revenue that this, that this, uh, that this industry produces right. and that they get paid, but them getting paid, them being employees will change the fabric of college football in a way that makes it considerably different from than from the way it was when I was I growing don't know up, that it, but different doesn't have to be worse and it might right. not be better, but it also doesn't have to be broke, like broken to a point that I can't possibly follow right. college football anymore. Like that is all sort of part of the, the way that things are going to fall. And that's the, like the way I see like the transfer portal and all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I'm with everybody who says that it's hard to get invested in players when they just enter the portal after a year because they don't get playing time as a freshman and you're like, well, you know, sit and develop and, and learn and give yourself a chance to, to do something yeah. great here and, and sort of more rare to see that, that happening. Um, and that, and that sucks. And that sort of changes the way that I consume the game. But at the same time, like I freaking love Marshawn Lloyd and I love uh, Travis Dye and I love, you know, Stevie Tuikolabatu and like the transfer, there are transfers that USC has brought in that have made my life as a sports fan better. And you sort of find different areas that, that are just, you know, doors opening, doors closing, all sorts of other things. Yeah. I, I, the, the way I look at it is yes, it can be pessimistic and all those things about like, you don't have power and yeah, it might be different, but different doesn't necessarily be worse etc the the optimism i think and i think this is why i end up being apathetic about this more than anything rather than say just strictly pessimistic is that the unfortunate reality is we're talking about usc football usc football as much as you can complain about sc's lack of ability to uh, throw their weight around like alabama or ohio state or whatever 
the reality is USC is USC. USC is in the Big Ten currently. They are not in a position to get shafted like an Oregon State or a Washington State. And it sucks that Oregon State and Washington State are getting relegated, right? Like, that is horrible. And it sucks to, and if you're an Oregon State or Washington State fan, I can't imagine the frustration and the anger and all those things that you feel right now. But if you're a USC fan, the the awkwardness is that you don't have to worry about that. Like, like th- that is weirdly comforting in itself. Like you're, if there is this massive landscape change, SC is not going to be one of the ones, the schools that get screwed here. You know what I mean? Um, if La Liga is changing, Real Madrid's not going to be the one on the outside looking in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like that's, that's not how it's going to work. Right. Um, and then the flip side about this is, all these things that we're talking about are all the things that happened to college basketball 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I do think that the college basketball game has been damaged the last 15 to 20 years in that it used to be that I think every, all the, the household names, uh, household players, I mean, the best players were household names. Right. And the way it is now, unless you're literally watching every single week, who can name who plays for Duke now? I, I I can't, I don't watch enough to know, right? Like there, there's just, there's the one and dones and there's so many transfers and all those things change. But I don't think that that same thing can happen to college football when there's still the three years of eligibility thing. People need to still be around. Which, by the way, the end of the big difference here is that the NBA wanted the younger players in. Yes, the NFL. Does they don't not want that. Want players who no. are twenty-one years old. 20, they want the free old. development. Yes, and it's in everybody's best interest still for college football to exist in the way that it does, as a feeder to the NFL because. The NFL is not going to want to pay to have their replacement of college football. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like that's, that's not going to change things that way. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's get to an email from Tony in, in Denora PA. Uh, Alicia Michael, this is Tor- Tony from Denora PA. I've been uh, never been into the hiring of a coach on any of my teams more than I am about this one. Danton and Doug Doug Belk now hired as the new DB coach. I guess Belichick will come on board as the defensive line coach. Fight on. <laughs> like we were saying, like it's it's weird. Like SC is like finding guys who are overqualified all of a sudden. Hey, that would be pretty funny. That would be pretty damn funny if Bill Belichick ended up anywhere near the USC program. But yeah, I think there's a lot to be excited for with this with this staff and I. I put this on Twitter, like with all part of my Zenness about the portal stuff is I'm excited to see what this staff does with the guys who want to be at USC. And I yeah. trust that there will be enough guys that want to be at USC for uh, for the, the, the build to continue on. Yeah. Speaking of guys who want to be at USC, Daniel in the chat says, what do you guys think about Lincoln Riley's press conference today? where he stated that his recruiting the shifting towards guys that want to be Trojans only and bleed Cardinal and gold like 15 years ago. Um, I'm going to be really honest because I, I haven't seen the exact quotes, but mm-hmm. my read on, on the, the question and the framing and, and all of that is 
that uh, that's coach speak. <laughs> yeah, I think there's subtext there. There's always coaches will always say that they want guys who want to be there. They're always sending their signals of the kinds of players that they want. And I think that um, I think there is a very there is a uh, a an idea around um, the the uh, effort you put into recruiting or the investment that you put into recruiting. Mm-hmm. You are best off, yeah, with finding guys who are coming to USC not specifically because of a coach or not specifically because of an NIL deal, but because they see the value of the university, because when it comes down to it, the guys like Miller Moss are going to be rare, but Mm -hmm. the guys like Miller Moss are invaluable because uh, you have guys who are there because they want to be at USC because they want a degree from USC because they love Los Angeles because they want to wear Cardinal and gold and sort of all of the things that are, beyond the, the 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 sort of are the almost I would say the barriers between a player and just jumping into the portal at the first chance mm-hmm. are there. And I think there's an argument for sure to be targeting as many players as possible who fit that mold, knowing that half of the dudes you recruit are going to just leave and you're going to have to go out and recruit guys in the transfer portal to come in anyways. So the more... Yeah loyalty points you can sort of invest in that doesn't feel like a losing strategy to me but as with all things you have to find a balance because you don't want to let guys go just because they don't necessarily fit that mold of he's going to be super loyal to usc and you might also be very wrong about your assumption about whether or not a guy will be super super loyal to you i think you should view those uh, what i'll call loyalty points as like a a cherry on top when evaluating a prospect and when deciding how much you're going to yeah. focus on whether or not you can, you can get them. Yeah. Uh, Logan in the chat says it's another way of telling the fan base. We aren't getting the five and the, the five star and high four star kids. I don't think that's the case, I, but I, I do think that there's a way of saying like of laying down the foundation coach speak wise of we want, yeah, we want guys who want to be here and blow up line. Like that's going to be your sort of talking points. Um, but the reality is you want guys who are good. Like if, if you go out and get a, uh, a transfer with one year of eligibility and they've got a UCLA logo tattooed on their forehead, <laughs> but they're transferring to, to you for one last final season and they're a good player. Who gives a shit? So put the guy on the field. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like that's the reality of the situation. Like, I, I, I don't think the fans will care. I don't think anybody will care if you go out and make the tackle and make the play. Like, that's what the that's what the 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 bottom line it. is. And and this is why, like, I, there, there's part of me that, yes, you want you want SC to go out and get all the five star talent and all that stuff, but like there's part of me that is so sort of so scorned with SC's lack of ability to, to do anything or lack of ability to develop on defense. And especially where I'm like, okay, if you're going to sign the three-star guys and this is the coach speak to say that you're just going to get three-star guys who just want to be here. Okay. But like make good on that then, 
right? Like, no, but, but if, no, if that on, is the on, case, hold on, hold on, like, hold on, hold on, because I, I found a part of the quote and okay. I want to change our framing around this, though, because the quote to me doesn't I mean, it's not the full quote, but he said, uh, you want to have guys who are hungry to get on the field right away, but also guys that have a mind to be developed and a good sense of reality. Right. Like, to me, that's exactly what you should be. That's you want to bring in players who understand the value of an importance of developing of uh, who want to be competitive enough to want to play right away, but also understand that jumping in the portal every other year is not conducive to getting to the ultimate promised land of, of the NFL mm -hmm. who have a good head on their shoulders and understand not to make rash decisions that are based on emotion or based on, uh, on, on whatever. Like I, I think that I think the idea of paying attention to the mentality of the players that you are recruiting is a huge part of recruiting yeah. well. And like, I don't think that's a bad, I don't think no. that's, I don't think anything that I've seen from Riley on this topic makes me think that he's looking about looking at this the wrong way. But I mean, but it, like everybody's also doing coach speak half the time. So you also have to pay attention. Like, but also to, so isn't a lot of this is, is idyllic in a lot of ways of like, obviously like, okay, well, what type of player do you want to have? Okay. Yeah. You want someone who's fast. You want someone who's strong, someone who's, who's smart, someone who's got drive, someone who wants to be here, someone who uh, is a good teammates and a positive role model in the community. And, but like, obviously like that's what you ideally yeah. want. The reality is you usually have to settle for four of the six things, right? Like just because. Yeah, and that's why that you all, it's always about finding a balance between the guys that fit the, the mentality mold and the yeah. can't miss prospects that you hope to, but this is also why it's so important for, this is why I'm also telling fans to, calm and understand that it takes time to set a culture to create a culture to mm -hmm. um to 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 rebuild a a situation and that a, a big part of having success with the you know the five-star guy who maybe doesn't fit the exact mentality that you hope to have you take that five-star guy and you put him in a room with 80 players who do have that mentality it rubs off right and it's good uh, it, it's a good way to, to culture is a really good way to, to, to get into that, into that yes, state, but, but it's, but it takes time and it takes getting it right. And that's the, that's right. the thing that I, I think that's the biggest challenge I have for Riley and for this staff is like, I think they're saying the right things as far as I know, it's about getting it right. It's about well, getting yeah, it, it making the, the the right call. Like, was it is it is it going to turn out to be the right call to let Malachi Nelson go and to bring in somebody like Will Howard or whoever it is that they land? Like, they just I, I understand the mentality. I understand the mindset. You just have to have you just bit, have to have gotten getting it right. it right. Yeah, and and this is why I almost don't care what what is said in the, sort of a press conference That's like exactly this because <laughs> even if you are saying the right things, it doesn't matter if if the like you're only going to be judged by the by the by the results right like the you can say the same thing a year from now and get positive results and people love what you say and you can say the same thing a year from now and have no results and people hate what you say yeah. right like so much of it comes down to 
what are you doing on the field? What have you done for me lately, et cetera? And the flip side is I agree with you that it takes time to like build culture and all this stuff, but like a SC doesn't have a lot of time here because you're going into year three and the, the, the hot seat will start to develop if there is no improvement, especially defensively. Number two, we literally just talked about Dan Lynn's whole thing was that he walked into a UCLA defense that was in shambles. No, but they I'm had, talking. I'm not talking. I'm talking about. You're talking about like about like the long game of rec- the re- long yeah. game of recruiting sure. philosophy. Like, I get I get that. And D- Dave P in the in the chat asks, uh, you talk about how it takes time for culture, but what about landing in DeBoer? It seems culture is pretty good. Landing in yeah. DeBoer took over programs that were run by Chris Peterson for a decade. That were a, it was a Chris Peterson program for a decade. And an Oregon program that has been at the top of the Pac-12 or near it for the last decade, too. Like, the 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 situations that Dan Lanning and Kalen DeBoer took over could not have been more different than the situation that that uh, Lincoln Riley took over at USC. That's, that's my perspective. Now, I think yeah. Kalen DeBoer especially has done an amazing job with getting Washington into a position to be in the college football playoff uh, this year. But the, to me, the task at USC was much more difficult than what either of those coaches inherited. Yeah. Um, All right. Ron Murdy says, is the wall around LA that Pete Carroll built gone with the transfer portal? No, I don't think it's gone with the transfer portal. I think it's, I think it was gone before then. It's gone with 10 years of, of uh, mediocrity. Yeah. One, even before the transfer portal existed, like Oklahoma was coming in and getting guys. Uh, Alabama was coming in and getting guys. Notre Dame was coming in and getting guys. Clemson was coming in and getting guys. I, I think when you look at quarterbacks, Southern California produces too many quarterbacks that everybody is going to come in and get somebody. You can't. SC couldn't realistically have gotten. Yes, you can say that. Oh well, they 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 were in for CJ Stroud at one point, and oh well, they didn't really go after Jaden Daniels as much as they could have. Blah, blah blah. Yeah, but they 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 were after JT Daniels, and they got Caleb Williams as the tramp. Like, there's almost just there's too many guys at quarterback. Um, and it's not just about quarterback; it's about the other positions too here. Um, the linemen at those at those schools are being are being pursued every, every everywhere else too, but it's not just the the transfer portal. I think the the problem there is Pete Carroll is 15 years removed now, which sounds crazy, but that's like we're like we're old. Yeah, like it's 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 a long time ago, it's, and it's and SC has not done ago. anything in the last 15 years to rebuilds and re-strengthen that that wall around those programs mm-hmm. so um yeah um last question from dave p instead of complaining about uh college the college football world and how it is uh should you be complaining that usc isn't adapting it seems like the majority of schools have adapted except for usc um i mean i would i would flat out reject the idea that the majority of schools feel like they've adapted. I can tell you that I cover college football at large and Georgia fans complain and Alabama fans complain and Ohio state fans complain and Michigan fans complain, Florida fans complain, Nebraska fans complain, Oregon fans complain, 
Washington fan, like literally Texas, Oklahoma, everyone's fans are complaining that they are not doing enough to be at the forefront of NIL, of Transfer Portal, and of recruiting because no one has this figured out and everyone's still trying. Like, I don't think anyone knows what's like what the rubric is for getting it right yet. Yeah, because the NCAA hasn't set very strong. Um, yeah, hasn't made it particularly clear how how what what confines you can work within. What I will say is that I think for a long time we talked about the the Pete Carroll or we we bring up the anecdote that Ryan Abraham always shared about the strength and conditioning, like the facilities. USC was ten years behind the facilities. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. um, Cold War. Uh, they the 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 missile race or whatever with facilities. USC is playing catch up because USC spent so long living on its legacy and not recognizing that they as an athletic department that they needed to get on it. It was only within the last handful of years that USC started joining the 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 arms race on uh, on um, uh, on staffers on on support staff like. It's not that this current like this current regime to me is doing a hell of a job to get USC back into place. But before yeah. USC hired Lincoln Riley, when when the discussion of whether or not USC was going to fire Clay Helton, move on from Clay Helton, my biggest anxiety was that USC was not going to be able to attract a top name as a head coach, specifically because the previous athletic directors had done such a poor job of setting up the athletic department and and by proxy the football program to be up in the upper echelon of, uh, of manage of, of being managed mm-hmm. just to being a well-oiled machine. USC has not had a well-oiled athletic department right. in my lifetime, essentially. Well, and Mike bone, Brandon Sosna did a hell of a job of turning that around as quickly as possible to start chipping away at all of those deficiencies can, that USC has. Can I put on my Ryan hat really quick? Yes. Uh, okay, here's my Ryan hat put on. Okay, so for a food analogy here, <laughs> um, it was SC had a bunch of hot point appliances that you would get from an apartment complex in the in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and they wanted to go get out and get the guy from the bear, right? But you can't get the guy from the you can't get the bear. Um, what's what's his what's the character's name from the bear? The, the the, the, the dude that I, I don't care for the main character guy uh what's his name i don't remember his name the jeremy something yeah the the, 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 the main name. character dude that's that's yeah. annoying the the not nearly yeah. as good as the other people yeah yeah uh i love sydney that's me uh sydney and marcus are the best yes. uh you you, you want to go out and get that guy right to, to run your restaurant but sc had like off-brand appliances and Bone and Sosna, I think, in hindsight, were correct that, like, going out and getting, like, if they were going to replace their their little cook, who was in this point in Helton, with somebody, they were only going to go out and get the bear if they, if they remodeled the kitchen with uh, elites, like, Bosch brands, uh, stainless steel, everything, uh, uh, La Crusade um, uh, stuff everywhere. Like you had to go out and get all those things. And SC sort of did that to get the bear. The bear was Lincoln Riley. 
But the problem is, there it, 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 it wasn't completely fixed, right? There's still other things well, to do. You, you, you still gotta. You, it's you still, still Mister B. Get rid of the mold in the yeah. ceiling. You still gotta, you know, t- tear down the walls and fix right. your electrical and yeah. all. Like, there's a million things that USC has to do. And I think this yeah. idea that USC, like, is Dave in the chat is saying that that like they aren't adapting. I think that's. I don't know where that's coming from. Lincoln Riley is using the transfer portal. He clearly made the mistake with the with the with Alex Grinch and the and the defensive staff. But the hiring that he's been doing in in that sense has all been on point. Um, the question of how USC allocates its NIL money is a real question that I don't know the answer to because number one, you have to have donors who are giving you all that money. You yeah. have to decide, are you going to, how much of that money are you going to waste on five stars who are going to transfer the next year? If you don't pander to them and have them on the field in, you know, playing starting games when they are the worst player on the field, half of the time cough track, cough. Um, and like deciding that versus how much money are you going to throw at guys in the transfer portal? Are you going to hit with those guys in the transfer portal? You're going to waste your money on guys in the transfer portal who come in and, and are the worst player on the field. The other half of the time, cough Mason Cobb. Um, and like you, there's a million things that, that you have to, to work around. USC was behind the eight ball on NIL because there was no, the athletic department was not, all rowing in the same direction the collectives weren't all rowing in the same direction and now usc is having to fix all of that kind of stuff like i don't know how you're supposed to sit there and say that like lincoln riley is not adapting to a system that is literally changing by the month because the rules change by the month and the ncaa changes how they're gonna gonna enact those rules by the month and schools don't know what is legal and what is not in terms of NIL and collectives. There was a time when USC first started, they were doing their collective plus kind of, kind of stuff that felt like USC was doing it because they were trying to stay so far within the confines of compliance that they were not going out as far as other schools were because USC had literally just gotten the equivalent of the death penalty that put them in this position in the first place. Did you want USC to be wild, wild West and being, uh, being, you know, all over the place with, with the NIL dollars and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, USC might be in a better place today if they had gone full force there. But I can tell you two years ago, that's the last thing I wanted USC to, to do, to just go out there and say, okay, fine, we're just going to, you know, create a situation where bag men are just NIL men and we're just going to go crazy with it. And if the NCAA wants to destroy us again, let them do it. Like, no, I don't want, like, this is... This is all insanity that USC is trying. It's, it's a hurricane that USC is trying to build a house in in the middle of. And to me, to my eyes, I I don't know that they're doing the best job of anybody in college football. But like, I think it's weird to act like USC is somehow failing relative to everybody else who also is looking around saying, "We don't know how the hell we're going to do this." My only takeaway is. Do you realize that when you do the cough bit, you don't actually have to say cough. You can just cough. If you're typing it out, you can say cough. Like, yeah. like this is the the saving Silverman quote of, you don't have to do the the walkie talkies already do. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Like it's just. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll wrap it up there. We'll be back Wednesday, 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 5 p.m. 
uh, to preview USC and Louisville. 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 Remember, don't use move your lips. Louisville. Louisville. In the uh, the holiday bowl. Uh, also, briefly, probably talk about signing day, which is on Wednesday, of course, as well. So, we're back Wednesday. Uh, until then, we will see you. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope you having and uh, enjoying your your holidays. I uh, hope you had a uh, happy Hanukkah. I believe that's come to a close now. Um, whatever you celebrate, we hope you're having a good time. And uh, we'll see you Wednesday. So, uh, until then. Uh, we will see ya. See ya. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.